Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Sea of Galilee has been reported to have waves of 25 feet or higher. So some of y'all gnarly dudes that, uh, you know, y'all like a uh, gnarly man, gnarly dude. I mean, that sounds kind of more country than beachy, but and uh, you really like this and all these waves and stuff. I don't do no surfing and uh, I'm not into surfing. Uh, I remember one time I was out on uh, Lake Jordan, uh, Jordan Lake and uh, right here, not the one in Israel. And, uh, but I've been in that one too, but this one right here. And, uh, we, my friend was, uh, we're wakeboarding and that's what you do on the back of the boat when they pull you on the back of the boat, you wakeboarding and, uh, can y'all wakeboard? Can you wakeboard? You look like you can wakeboard. I couldn't get it y'all. They were like, you know, you need to like hold on to the boat and hold on to the, the rope. Right. And then the, the boat takes off and just pulling you. And then you're supposed to throw your body up. Like, uh, get your feet on boards. Aren't your feet on boards? I ain't did it in a while. Feet on boards or whatever. Some people do bare feet, don't they? You do a bare feet? You don't look like you do a bare feet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so we were waiting, pulling off, and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Man, I could not get up to save my life. I was bouncing all over that water. I'm like, hey, hey, stop the ball, stop the ball. I'm drowning. <laughs> And circle back, come get me and carry on. I ain't in all that. I'm leave that, leave that for y'all young people. And uh, so get the scene here. And our, the disciples, the Bible tells us, if you notice in, in verse 19, the Bible tells us the disciples are three, four miles in the middle of the lake. And Jesus is up on the mountain praying. He's not in the boat. Mark 6, 48, write that down, tells us it's the fourth watch of the night. That's three to six a.m. in the morning. So it's dark. It's early in the morning. It's, it's dark and the, the storms pop up and they're striving and straining their oars to survive. The boat is out of control and they're struggling to go to a familiar place. And the boat is at the mercy of this vicious wind tossing them around and their lives are on the line and Jesus isn't there. And I thought about this. Think about this. I thought about this yesterday. The kingdom of God is in this boat. What are you talking about, Willis? Think about this. The kingdom of God is made up, first of all, of a bunch of used-to-bees. The kingdom of God is made up of a bunch of used-to-bees, a bunch of used-to-be dancers, used-to-be prostitutes, used-to-be drug addicts, Used to be, you used to be robbers and used to be thieves and used to be gamblers and used to be fishermen, just ordinary people. And here we have a wooden boat in the middle of a storm. 
And the future proclaimers of the kingdom of God are in it, the disciples. And this is a very dangerous moment for the kingdom. Nazareth has rejected him. Galilee has rejected him. Herod wants to kill him. The Pharisees want to kill him. The leaders in Jerusalem want to kill him. And now this first generation of gospel preachers are in dire situation. And the future hope for the gospel preaching demands, on, demands their survival. And their rescue is essential. Well, the boat is being tossed. The waves are splashing. The wind is howling. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. Don't you want to go, hooray, yay, Jesus. And here's my sanctified imagination. I see Jesus walking on the water, and with every step, he's smoothing out the turbulence. Every step. Jesus got to the boat. I don't even think he was wet. I don't think there was a hair out of place. Now listen, there were two miracles here. One miracle is Jesus walking on the water, obviously. And then there's another miracle. Write this down. Jesus sees his own. Remember, it's dark. Jesus was up on the mountain. There in the water being tossed around in this dangerous tempest storm. And Jesus walks right up to them. Did you get that? He walks right up to them. He's not groping in the dark. Jesus is not walking around saying, hey, where are you guys? Uh, where are you at? Keep talking. Keep talking. I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'm getting near you. That's not what's happening. Jesus walks right up to them because he knows everything. Jesus sees in omniscience. He knows everything. He knew exactly where they were in the deep, dark night, and he sees his own. God always sees his own. Did you know that? Jesus knows everything, and he knew exactly where they were, and he knows where you are. Hmm? He knows where his own are. He knows where we are. So that he can come in a time of need, in a time of desperation. Well, look at verse 20. Jesus walked up to the boat and said, don't be afraid, it is I. Jesus gets in the boat and suddenly they're on land in verse 21. Did you notice this? Jesus identified himself and then they're on land, story over. Isn't that interesting? The miracle doesn't get much attention or explanation. The story is embedded in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 intentionally. I don't think John's purpose was to give us a long sermon on Jesus' ability to walk on water. I believe this story is intended to show us and clarify that not only will Jesus give you the miracle of bread, but also to give you the miracle of his presence. Why? Because he said, can I wait while somebody says amen and clap your hands? Can you do that just a little bit? Just uh, not even that much. He said, I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be what? Somebody read it with me. Able to separate us from the love of God, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is saying, nothing's able to separate you from me. I'll walk on water to be with you. And when you take me into your boat of life, you'll arrive safely. 
So whether it's being rescued from hunger by making bread or being rescued from wind by walking on water, the point is, I don't just give bread, I am bread. I don't just make the wind stop, I get in the boat. Look at verse 22. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 42. You're looking at it? Say amen. On the following day when the people were on, were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is, come on, y'all read it with me. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So give me your attention on the following day that people are standing on the other side of the shore and realize that there were no boats there. So the next day they came looking for Jesus. The disciples are gone. There's no other boats. They didn't know what happened to Jesus. Look at verse 23. It tells us there were other boats there that came from Tiberias and those boats pulled right up to the place where they had done the miracle. But people But the people saw that Jesus wasn't there and his disciples weren't there. So they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus and they found Jesus in Capernaum. Now, how do we know that? Well, look at verse 59. Look at verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught where saints in Capernaum. So they're saying, Jesus, how did this happen? How did you get here? Jesus got there. Obviously, they found Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum. The synagogue, if you've been to, with us to Israel, you know that the synagogue is still there. The ruins of it is still there. And uh, it's a decent size. And this is the synagogue where they find Jesus teaching. So Jesus, watch this, saints. Jesus arrives in Capernaum. And the first thing he does is he goes to church. Don't you love that? It's so simple. Jesus goes to church. It sounds like a book, doesn't it? Or a movie or something. Jesus goes to church. And we should go to church. And here's a good exhortation, especially because we're in the summertime. Go to church. Even if you go to the beach, go to church. Because some folk put on their swimming trunks in the end of May, June, they don't take them off to the end of August because they just stay in their trunks. They don't do nothing. They go to the beach and they don't do nothing. Listen, go to church. Just because it's summer doesn't mean you need to take off from going to church. And even if you at the beach, go to church. Thank you, three people. I'm a priest of y'all because they don't know what I'm talking about, okay? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Go to church. Am I right about it? And husbands, it's your responsibility to get your family up and go to church. Y'all hanging out the beach working on your tan and all that. So I don't work on my tan because I'm, 
I was born this way. And uh, go to church. You know, people think it's summertime. Oh, we don't go to church. We don't need to go to church. I mean, you know, we're on a beach and we're on vacation. You don't go on vacation from Jesus. I think that's right. We don't go on vacation from Jesus. You go to church. Wherever you are, go to church. And even if it's not a Calvary Chapel down there or whatever, I was just talking to a couple between services, and they went somewhere, and it wasn't a Calvary Chapel, and there was like a, a community church or whatever. And they said, you know, we just need to go to church. We need to go give God his time because God gave you his time. When he died on the cross for you, he gave you his time. You can give him 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. Can you not? Come on. Come on. Go to church. Make church a priority. We should make it a priority. Don't just fit it in. So they're perplexed in our story. Jesus has been left behind, and yet he managed to get across the sea, and they ask where he came from. And Jesus, did you notice this? He didn't answer their question. He tells them why they came. Jesus says, these people are expending a significant energy tracking me down, going from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. Why? Because they have eaten to the full. The product of his miracle satisfied them, not the person of the miracle. Did you write that down? The product of his miracle satisfied them, not the person of the miracle. They admired Jesus only because of what he gave them materially. They weren't moved by full hearts. They were moved by full stomachs. And then Jesus said in verse 27, do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son will give you. Don't labor for food or for meat, some of your Bible says, that perishes. In the Greek language, it's in the present tense, and it means it's already in the state of perishing. Don't labor for food that's already perishing. Now, what does that mean? Don't labor for food which perishes. Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, are you listening? It doesn't mean quit your job and stop working. Somebody say amen. Over and over and over and over and over again in the New Testament, we're commanded to work. Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to give to others. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, what saints neither shall he eat some of y'all got some folk in your house they won't work amen if they don't work they don't get no breakfast that's just what the bible says. i'm just saying what the bible say i saw i'm staying biblical if they don't work they don't eat that's just the way it goes it seems in our country doesn't it we're obsessed with food doesn't it it's a little strange to me. Have you noticed how many food shows on TV? You even know how many food shows on TV? Like you got Iron Chef, Top Chef. Uh, what's another one? What is it called? Master Chef. Master Chef. I had a new one. I, I, Thursday, I learned something in third service. Master Chef. They got chopped. I heard that one. It's a new one. Is that a new one? Chopped. And they got Hell's Kitchen. I don't even want to say that from the pulpit. And uh, oh, I just did, didn't I? I'm sorry. Yeah, they got that one. And uh, and then they got the one where the guy's walking around. He's going state to state, and he's eating as much food as he possibly can. 
Man eating man. Uh, I'm going to say man. Uh, f- uh, animals eat man, but uh, it's man. It's, it's man eats food. Man versus food. Then do you know how we have, listen to me, do you know we have sunk to new lows when we are entertained by a man walking around stuffing hot dogs in his mouth? This is a new low. He's going around eating 97 hot dogs and pizza and, and all of this. Come on, it's like all these TV shows and you got the cooking channel. That's a whole channel for cooking. And uh, Rachel Ray, she always cooking something. Uh, what's that woman's name? Paula Dean. Paula Dean. And uh, who? Bobby Flame. Bobby Flay. I mean, Bobby's in flames. That's a new low. All these like shows where like our country's obsessed with appeasing the flesh. That's what it is. And Jesus says, don't labor and be all about the flesh, but rather labor for the things that endure to everlasting life. Now, when you labor for what endures to everlasting life, listen, got a pen? Two things change. Number one, a new chapter is added to your working life, namely eternity. Now you whistle while you work because your work isn't dominated by your desire for bread or money. You go to work knowing him and trusting him and treasuring him and being satisfied in him with a heart set on glorifying him at work. You go to work with eternal life before you, snacking all day on the bread of life. You go to work with zeal and you do your work with excellence, knowing everything you do, you do in his name and for his glory, from washing the bathrooms to the boardroom. The second thing that changes is a new treasure is added to your heart. The more precious and it's more Precious and important than money, the bread of life. You've tasted and you've seen the Lord is good. And you know that he is the bread of life. And now everything changes because the food that perishes no longer dominates your mind. Christ dominates your mind as the supreme treasure. And now you aren't driven by being upwardly mobile or big pay or positions of power or lust for the weekend so you can partay. You're not driven by passion for retirement. Every day with Jesus in your boat, you have more than enough to feast on. When you labor for that which endures for eternal life, everything changes about your life. Notice in verse 27, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Two things. Jesus bears, number one, the mark of God because he is God. Secondly, God has authorized his son as the son of man to be the mediator of eternal life. God gave him authority. He put his seal on Jesus, his mark of authority on Jesus. The seal of God is God authorizing his son to give eternal life to whom he wills. Look at verse 28. Jesus said, don't work for temporary food, but work for things that are eternal. And they said, well, how do we work? What's the works of God? And in verse 29, this is the work of God, or this is the kind of work that pleases God, Or this is the kind of work that gets the bread that gives life. Believe in him who he has sent. Simple as that. Jesus said, it means believing in Jesus as the bread that God has sent. 
And they're standing there in front of the bread of life, Jesus. The infinitely valuable, the infinitely beautiful, the all-satisfying, everlasting food that endures to eternal life, the one who gives eternal life. And they ask, what kind of works does God want us to do so that we can have the bread of life? In essence, Jesus is saying, if you don't see the person standing in front of you for who he is, no amount of work is going to make him your treasure. You don't need to do any works. You need to taste and see, eat and believe. Did you get that? Taste and see, eat and believe. John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. John is essentially saying the same thing. Believing is receiving. All you have to do is believe. It's just that simple. Jesus says, just believe. What do we need to do? Believe. He don't say, go to the mountain and pray. You listening? He doesn't say, go pray 50 hours or go, go crawl up a winding staircase of broken glass on your knees and pray, Martin Luther. The just shall live by faith. But believe. It's as simple as that. And for some people, that's the hardest part. For some people, are y'all listening? I'm going to let you go get your chicken sandwich in a second. Hold on. <laughs> are y'all listening to me? All right. Stay with me. For some people... This is the hardest part, is believing, because that's too easy. They want to do something. And the reason they want to do something, because they want to say, I have part in the work of my salvation. If you don't have anything to do with it, you can't brag about it. I know I'm right about that. I know that. And they want to do something to earn it. If you can earn it, it isn't grace. And to try and earn it is an insult to the grace and the gift and the generosity of God. You can't work for it, pay for it, just believe and receive it. If you trust Jesus plus something, you're lost. Listen to me. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that provides you salvation. And if you trust Jesus plus something else, you're lost. The plus is what loses you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. You can't add anything to it. You can't work for it. God's looking for inspiration, not perspiration. Well, you need to write that down. That's good, isn't it? That's good. Inspiration, not perspiration. God wants you to trust him and believe him. And you're not going to heaven if you don't trust him. You're not going to heaven if you don't believe him. And until you fully, completely, unreservedly, wholeheartedly trust Jesus to get you to heaven, you're not going there. And you can't try to be the best Christian you can possibly be. And you can't be baptized enough to get to heaven. you be baptized 50 times and still not go to heaven. All you got is wet. You didn't get the kingdom. You can't give your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. 
There's nothing you can do to get to heaven except what do we need to do to, to work the works of God? Jesus said, believe in the one whom he has sent. And if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, you can't be saved. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You try to trust anything else other than Jesus, it's sinking sand. You are laboring for that which endures to the flesh. Jesus says, labor for that which endures to eternal life. To love God, to serve God, to give your heart to God, to believe in God, to trust in God, to rely on God as your only way and means to get to heaven. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 Two nine three zero nine two three. That's one eight hundred two nine three zero nine two three. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light, and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.